Happy Friday, theater lovers. Today's guest is the lovely Kate Hardy. She taught me about stenography and very patiently explained, because it kind of blew my mind, the inner workings of fringe festivals and what it's like to participate in one. Kate was a thoughtful, eloquent, and well-prepared interviewee who even tried to turn the tables on me a little bit and ask a couple questions about me. Little rascal. Anyway, on with the show. Okay, let's get this party started. Yay! (coughs) It seems like we have a good connection now, so. Yes, Um, I am within like eight feet of our Wi-Fi. (laughs) Samesies, samesies. It seems to work better. Welcome, Kate Hardy, to Sarnia Famous. Thank you very much for making the time for me. Thank you for uh, really asking. appreciate it. So how we know each other is uh, I will always have extremely fond memories of you in whatever that mechanism was mm-hmm. that I was on top of as the Wicked Witch and had to descend into it. And you yes. were at the bottom. What was it like? Like, like a crank or um, like what? We used a drill. A dr- oh, that's right. Um, uh, and we just had it go like we put it in reverse. So, because um, we need something fast enough, I don't think a human in that confined space could do that just on their muscles and their body alone. So, yeah, we used a drill that brought you down, and then you and I stayed relatively close to one another for the remainder there, of the season. There was a bear hug there that was really quite nice mm-hmm. um, because yeah, it was scary. Close. Every time, I never got all of my lines out because I was so scared about dropping into that thing. Oh, no. So I you, know. It's... You giving me a bear hug was just what the what I needed in that moment. I was like, thank you. Hold me tight. Anytime, anytime. Yeah. No, we understand that what we sometimes ask actors to do can be a little daunting. So we try to make as safe as space as possible. The girls in Heather's can also attest to that, making them walk down those stairs. Oh, <laughs> so, really? Tell me more it. about that. So the musical Heather's, directed by Ian Alexander, we had the three Heathers. It was Lip Gogus, Kira Knight, and Aaron Innes. And when they enter, they enter at this like beautiful moment of the opening number and they enter through this top level. And Ian had this idea of these um, stairs that could come apart, come back together for different scenes. And so when they came in, actors pushed the stairs together and they have to be tight in the right spot, locked, and then they have to walk down it. But because the stairs move constantly throughout the show, we were talking about railings, we were talking about safety, what if things don't lock in time, or what if someone doesn't, you know, put it in the right spot or something happens. So at the beginning of the show, we always do a little kind of like fight choreography. So anything that involves a lot of physical movement or anything where someone could get hurt, we're going to go through it at 50%. 75 percent okay now we're going to try it at 100 so it's good for the show and that was something we always practice before the show because the stairs have to like touch the scaffolding and they have to walk down with this like sexy confidence while also being terrified of like <laughs> i could fall because i'm like 10 feet in the air right now when these stairs are on wheels i hope they locked them in like oh goodness yeah so we look out for you guys we you, try at least th- thank you and i like i guess selfishly i only ever really worried about my own self i never really thought about all those little pieces and I am actually extremely grateful that Wicked Witch didn't need any, like, sexy confidence. <laughs> that I right? could just kind of 
curl up a little bit and look a little yes, awkward because that was sure. natural stance for me getting because I did have that one thing that got wheeled around and it was it was terrifying so I can't mm-hmm. imagine being all sexy about it thank goodness I don't know how they did it but those those girls did it all the time anyone who had to go up and down the stairs like from the stage onto the scaffolding I don't know how they did it and they were all in heels too so <laughs> no yep no yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, no, and I saw that show and it was excellent, but I even even knowing some of the backstage stuff, it mm. was dazzling because I never thought anything about things getting moved around and how scared they might be, even though I've been there in a little little tiny smidgen of a way. Yeah, there's I had a really good conversation the other day with a friend of mine because she said that oh she wanted to maybe work on a show where she worked backstage because she knows you know backstage there's so many moving pieces and your brain works completely differently and she wanted to kind of give it a try and I was like no absolutely I was like but you've been an actor on stage you know how to multitask you know how to do everything she goes well no isn't it like different I was like it's just two different groups of people that are worrying about a million different things all at the same time. But it just so happens that what I'm worrying about is different than what an actor's worrying about. But I also have the luxury of being backstage. So if something doesn't work, I can be frantic and I can go and I can fix something where if someone's on stage, this calm, cool, collected attitude has to kind of stay there. So there's like a million moving pieces all at the same time. (laughs) We're just in the dark when we do it. Yeah, in the dark, that's another side of it. Like, we may be on stage, but we have all the light, and y'all are backstage, Mm -hmm. typically wearing black too, right? And trying to cruise around and not trip on stuff and not miss cues. And it's, uh, I have a lot of respect for y'all for doing that stuff. Like, I just, anytime it's been posed to me to do anything backstage, I'm like, heck to the no, because it's scary. So scary. I think you'd be so good at it. That's super sweet. I do give a mean bear (laughs) hug, but that's probably where that ends. I could be the backstage bear hugger, but that that might be. Do you know what's so funny? Um, getting ready for this, I was like looking through to be like, uh, like past shows that I've done to be like, wow, I've actually done like a lot of shows, especially when I was at university. I think I did forty three shows in, during all four years of my education. Forty. <laughs> some of it was yeah. Dang. Some of it was for school. Some of it was for work or just to volunteer to, to get your name out there to start to like get on the list of stuff. And I saw photos from a show that I was the assistant technical director for, and it's called Lion in the Streets. And it's about I don't know if if you've read it or if you've seen it, it's a beautiful, beautiful play, but essentially there's this one character where she is a young girl and then you find out at a certain point in the show, I won't say how or kind of the whole plot to give it away, but you you kind of find out that she unfortunately is dead. Um, And she like has to find her killer and she was played by a really good friend of mine her name's Caitlin Ray she's a fantastic actress and she still acts and lives in Toronto but she's on stage almost the entire time so part of my running notes of what I had to do backstage at the top of the show was I had to be on stage left to be there to like give her a hug to put her out onto the stage because people don't interact with her she's constantly in this like dreadful state it takes a lot out of you and then top of back two I have to be on stage right, give Kate a hug before she goes out on stage. So that tends to work out into my notes. There's something about, especially if a character is ignored or spoken to rudely on stage. I think I gave Danielle Catton a hug during Heather's too, just because at like one point you're like, 
they don't mean it they're acting but like that yeah. human contact feels nice <laughs> heck yes it does that mm -hmm. was uh, a character that really spoke to me too and i, I felt the mm -hmm. same sitting in the audience like i hope somebody's giving that girl a hug because dang mm -hmm. that's a lot of that's a lot yeah. of stuff but i love that you prepared for this and i want to hear <laughs> even more about these was it 43 shows like something like that tell me tell yeah. me all the things oh my there's a lot <laughs> or like whatever um, you feel like talking about oh my goodness so i i went to brock university i originally actually went there for their acting program because i had gotten kind of i wouldn't call it an acting scholarship but i had received um an award for oh my gosh it is the walter f pierre check award from the lawrence house and so that was for excellence in performance art so i went Holy there thinking doodle. i was going to be an actor <laughs> and then by second year i was like ooh, Maybe i kind of like this backstage <laughs> stuff <laughs> because the the acting that i wanted to do wasn't where the money was at after graduation <laughs> i really wanted to be in a like fully collaborative team so that kind of started from scratch like a little bit more like indie underground and i was like oh that's not where the money is <laughs> gotta pay them bills i have to pay those bills i have to be able to have a job so i went into production but it started first with our classes in first year not only for performance class but you have a class that's called crew so you actually have to work backstage on the uh one of the main stage shows there's two a year so you can be anything, everyone has to help build the set, everyone has to help hang the lights, but then come time of the show, you could be a box pusher or you could be a dresser or you could work in makeup or you could be with the stage manager. So that's kind of how it all started. And then part of my program, I was in the co-op program, which means I had to have a job in my field in the summer if I wanted to stay within the program and kind of get my honors degree with the co-op. It's all about words on your diploma. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I guess I have to work during the summer. So I ended up working with a couple different theater companies, um, either as like an associate producer or a stage manager, or just like a box pusher. So that's kind of how it all started. But then there's clubs on campus, there's different shows, professors don't just teach us, they maybe own a theater company, so they need help. And shows are typically, you rehearse for four weeks, run the show for two. So that's kind of how it would overlap. Yeah, I think I did around 43 shows in four years. Wow, that's so, yeah. so much. And that's something mm -hmm. I'm fascinated with, too, is I, I didn't go to school for theater stuff. And part of me really wishes that I did. So I love hearing about other people's journeys that uh, that did have that experience. So what was, what was your favorite class? Ooh. Or like you could pick your top five. I'm cool with that too. Oh my God. There's not <laughs> to say because there, there's so many. I would have to say clown and performance in second year was one of my favorite just because my professor, her name is Sonia Norris. She's incredible and she kind of made us start from the beginning you know using your body and emote and like the research of the character and verbing your script and kind of breaking it all down so that was a full year which i loved but then one of my other favorite we have hair and makeup classes we had costume classes lighting where we had to like relearn reteach ourselves trigonometry we had to relearn that oh god <laughs> um, <Ew. all> about, <laughs> 
I know, I know, right? But like, it's all about angles and which light is going to go in which spot. But then one of my favorite classes was taught by this professor. His name is David Vivian. I believe he's still the chair of the department. He's a sonographer, so he would teach a sonography class. And essentially what a sonographer is, there are people who design shows, but then there's a person who kind of overall works on the image of the show. So they are in charge of the set, the costumes, they're in charge of the props, they're in charge of the music, they're in charge of everything, especially if you're doing like a period-specific show. We did Orpheus Descending in my third year, and I stage-managed that for Brock, but he was the sonographer for it because he wanted to specifically put it in 1968, or a really specific year. So then you have to do the research of what kind of dresses are the women going to be wearing. They would never leave the house without their hats or their gloves or their purse. There's a There was a scene with a car. It has to be the right car. They probably couldn't afford a like a brand new car, so it's actually probably like a 61, a 62, so the gear shift is different. Like, Whoa, yeah. So yeah. that's what that's what he taught us, but it was also like an art class. It was also in a class for architects. It was all these extra layers to it, and we a lot of our projects were about building sets based on maybe not so much a play, but maybe a song or a poem or... Uh, like a piece of art you've seen like an installation a sculpture a, a light show or something build a set based on that and his whole kind of premise was that theater is like truly limitless there it's it's about play and joy and fun and there's there's no reason why apart from safety there's no reason why <laughs> you can't at least like try things. So that's what I really enjoyed about my program because it kind of all gave us this like of energy and confidence and positive outlook that any idea we have, you know, it's not a silly idea, so let's try. So if we're going to do a show that's based in like rural Kentucky of a really small group of people who do not have a ton of money, they're probably going to be dirty all the time. Okay, great. Let's just throw dirt on the stage floor. Big deal. <laughs> and that's what you do. Huh. There's so many details that, you know, I didn't even think about. And from an audience perspective, you probably wouldn't notice until it was wrong right? It would be, yes. <laughs> yeah, it would stand out and then you would, you would realize, but if the continuity is there, that would be part of the experience. So yeah, I, that's almost like a thankless job in a way too. Cause you're going, did you see that I picked the right car? Right. And the right dresses. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't say some people have said like, it's, it's a thankless job with all those pieces, but if it makes the job of the director and the actors and the folks on stage if it makes them really like feel what they're doing and it if it it's something that they're not distracted by we usually get a lot of thank yous from the actors or like when they come in and they see the set or they see the pieces or especially if they see the costumes they're just like oh my gosh because it's usually it's usually items like that, especially wardrobe and hair and makeup that kind of propels an actor, I think, into their character. It can really help them. It's one thing I think, like you were so fantastic in rehearsals when you were the Wicked Witch, but I think once you put on that all black, like it kind of just... It's the outfit. Yeah, sure. it, it sets you there. <laughs> especially sure. girls in shoes. I don't know what it is. Automatically, they will start acting it's more so like their funny. character. So funny that you say that because they picked out my shoes for the witch and they didn't mm -hmm. fit me, but I loved them so much. I was like, I'm going to do what I need to do 
to make sure. So I had like four pairs of socks on and like some insoles because I loved them so much. I didn't want to, I didn't want to give them up because that was the That's piece. amazing. It was like, I can't give up these shoes. This, it just no. can't. Yeah. And there's, and there's something nice too about the, the work then an actor does. Well, it's like if the shoe, you know, these are like what we have to deal with it, then it's then doing the work. Why would she have these shoes? Well, what if they're hand-me-downs from her mother? I'm going to hold on to them. The audience doesn't know. The audience doesn't care. But the audience just wants to see the witch. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, like it's that kind of mm-hmm. detail that brings so many layers and texture yeah. to something like that. Like, that's really beautiful. I remember yeah. I did a, I did a scene at school back when I was still kind of acting, quote-unquote. Um, <laughs> and my, my character, she was described as being addicted to Tim Hortons. And so I spent probably like a week or two sitting in different Tim Hortons every so often yeah. to see if I could like see the same people. I tried different items on the menu to be like, is she an apple fritter girl? <laughs> is she an old-fashioned donut kind of girl? What if she doesn't like sweets? What if she's a teeny biscuit kind of lady? And like if I started to see similar people, because you always have those like group of like older people, <laughs> bless their souls, that always go to Tim Hortons like really early in the morning or they have like a ritual coffee spot. I'm like, maybe she can't wait to be in that group because she was like only in her early 20s at the time. But yeah, it's just little things like that. If you do that work and it comes by the time you do it all and it kind of comes really easily to you, you can then focus on on other things. It becomes like muscle memory at that point. So then you can work about other things, like not tripping or not forgetting your lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I (laughs) love that you did that. That's so, Mm -hmm. what is, that's method acting? Is that what that is? Or is that just like committing? I think it's committing. Yeah, I think it's just committing. I think it's just hard work. I think, um, I think a good actor is a hard-working actor, which is why I think we're super lucky in theater, Sonia, that we have, like, so many hard-working actors <laughs> who think about that kind of stuff on top of all their natural talent. That's something I'm, I'm going to step my game up on that. that oh, my thing. God. I love it. Something to aspire to. So what what inspired you to get to get involved as an actor or, or in, in theater in general? I would have to say it was... I was really, really lucky and blessed to have fantastic teachers in my life, not only like family members, but I remember so distinctly. I was that kid that I had a lot of energy, but I wanted everyone to have the same energy as me. Like if if I want to play something, it's so much fun. I want everyone like involved. And as soon as someone kind of felt left, left out, I was like, no, 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 like, come back in like this is gonna be so much fun I just wanted a group of people to play all the time I think teachers would call that disruptive but I remember in grade three Mrs. McLaren she asked me if I wanted to be the lead in the play and I was just like what's a play (laughs) what is this we can dress up and we can play different characters we can sing and dance and it's part of school fantastic so I thought it was just fun at a young age but it probably wasn't until high school when I super lucked out with having Martina Austin and Henry Davis Camino as drama teachers and directors for different shows, um, either at St. Pat's or at Theatre Sarnia. They are some of the smartest, most talented women I've ever met. And it's also the fact that they were educators. I think that they just wanted to see people succeed or to have fun or to realize how limitless they are like try anything kind of thing so it was actually Mrs. Austin 
or Mrs. Ms. Kabaski at the time, um, it was her in grade 12 that really encouraged me to pursue it after, as post-secondary after high school. And she was the one that told me to apply for a couple things and check out other schools. Because um, originally I wanted to be a teacher, which I don't think it's in my bones to do. <laughs> no way. <laughs> So I, I think it was I think it was because of them those two specifically Martina and Henry. That's so so nice yeah. that someone had your back like that. And I have to tell you, your memory is flipping spectacular. Like you <laughs> just, I know all these people's names, and oh. you know, I can barely remember my own most days. That's it's really oh. quite impressive. I think it's from memorizing lines and memorizing like side notes and scripts. <laughs> Probably. I'm still very impressed. <laughs> do you think you'll get back into acting or do you think you'll stick with the the backstage stuff I've, I've thought about it it's been quite a while right now I think I'm having such a good time being a part of like a creative team on the production side that I might stick with that for a bit longer just because I feel like the way that I approach even just stage managing a show or working backstage at a show is very different from how I would approach being an actor and being a character I feel like it's it's two different sides of my of my brain just with deadlines and safety and protocol and scheduling and budgeting and making sure all of that is set aside I, it's difficult for me to then flip into the side of whimsy and question and discovery and you feel like you have no deadlines even there are deadlines to be off book there's the ultimate deadline of opening night so there's that element to it that I don't know how some folks can like be a dance captain and be in the show where they can direct and be in the show. I, I don't know how folks can do that. So I wouldn't mind. I think I think it'd be fun. I'm not an actor for musicals. I can't sing to save my life. Oh, I, <laughs> I'm not a good dancer. So maybe if there's a play that came up, I, I would think about it. But right now I'm having such a fun time being part of a team that helps see like a director's vision come to life that I'm getting so much joy out of that. I felt like I haven't had to go into the acting side that much. Though I do get to, I got to do a little bit of it. When I helped with the youth group, we would do like improv with them. So even just like oh, doing scenes with kids, it kind of, it brings you back because their imagination is so much larger than what mine could possibly be. So I got a little taste of it, but I think I'm also just good where I am right now. <laughs> Fair enough. Do you think, so I remember you mentioning initially uh, getting involved in a, I can't remember exactly how you worded it, but it was the, I remember you saying this ain't where the money is and something to do with it being no. an indie kind of underground type thing. Is that what you would be drawn to now or would it be different if you I, were? I think so. I've, I've had the pleasure of working with different directors and different theater companies, um, especially back in St. Catharines where Brock University is where I see what they're doing now, and that's what I wanted to do almost 10 years, or no, yeah, 10 years ago when I was back at university. <laughs> Just oh had God. like an existential crisis when you said that. Like, it's only been five years. Like, yeah, fine. wait no. a minute. No, but no, I graduated in 2013. Okay. <laughs> um, some of my favorite memories of working on shows, especially on the production side of things, is whenever I got to help with a show that ended up in a Fringe Festival. So I've done Hamilton Fringe and I've done Toronto Fringe. And it's this idea of we're here for two to three weeks. We are going to have a different crowd every single time. 
we are carrying our props, we are lugging it on subways, on streetcars, and we're getting there as a whole team, we're putting it up, we're taking it down, and we're just there to have like an absolutely fantastic time, and every theater space is completely different, so some of them might not have the equipment that we're used to, so we have to get by with, with certain things. I've been very lucky to to work with those groups, um, specifically a group called Twitches and Itches in St. Catharines. What they're doing now is something that I wish I could have done in first year or second year university. I might have tried to do acting and production probably simultaneously, but the work that they are doing, they, they don't just find a play and then rehearse it and then go right into it. They'll do workshops that are just for movement or just exploring one particular phrase and then they'll kind of go from there and eventually after like months they'll they'll have a show. And so then just the work that they do with their bodies, it was it's incredible. It's fantastic the stuff that they do. So it's not based on forgive me, I'm not super familiar with it. It it's not based on a, a script then. It's more just exploring an idea and seeing where it goes. That's how they'll start, okay. and then eventually a script will have been developed, but they usually start out with something that's just completely physical, and that's just from their bodies. And then, like, an actor can enter the space and say, I'm really moved by this topic, or this just happened, or, you know, something like that. They can bring it forward, and they can see, okay, how does how does that look? How does that feel? And then they'll kind of just morph into there. It's the ultimate group project and you are working side by side with everyone along the way. So the one show that they did that I had the pleasure of working on was called September Songs. It was in their Hamilton Fringe Festival and I'm pretty sure that's how it how it started for them. So to see them still work physically with their bodies and then use their voices and they're physically like lifting each other up to move to get to the same space but they're talking about people who all go go to the same school huh. like it's about school <laughs> so yeah so do they write the script as they go or yes. is it oh yeah the director uh, our director call he did a lot of the he did a lot of the writing but it is a 100 percent like collaborative piece so when the actors enter the space and they're going to do a warm-up before rehearsal like he's right there with them doing a warm-up like wow. he's a fantastic actor as well so yeah that gives me anxiety and I started sweating <laughs> a little bit thinking about like not having structure in that way but it's also kind of cool so then mm -hmm. depending on whoever is involved in whatever individuals are involved in it could mm -hmm. be the trajectory of where it's gonna go and what their yep. experiences are and what they're dabbling in that that's really fascinating it's also interesting because like you said, you just got anxiety and sweaty <laughs> thinking of that. But what what they do for a show is very similar to how you would also start rehearsal. Sure, like you you maybe like have the script that that essence is done, but you don't know where that scene's gonna go until you're physically in there, True. right? So that's what's super super nice about using that practice. They take it to a certain degree that's how that theater company works but that's also what rehearsal is about it's it's discovering what's going to work or you know we tried that but that's okay but then we discovered something else the idea of pre-blocking everything sometimes can work for either like safety issues or like what's absolutely necessary for the play but like as an actor like just to be told okay go ahead like start the scene you have free reign to do 
whatever you want. It's it's the exact same principle. So I bet you could do it. I bet you could do it, Dallas. <laughs> I think you could. Is it sweaty in here? <laughs> Uh, so it's kind of like a like an improv type thing, only it sounds more with more soul to it, or more. I don't. I don't know. I'm trying to understand it, uh, and maybe it's something I need to let marinate up there for a little while. But like, maybe run me through what a more in detail what a rehearsal would look like for, if you don't mind. No, no. I'm I'm trying to think because I I joined their team for when they were in the Fringe Festival when they already had probably 75% of their script. Like it was almost it was almost complete. But I I do distinctly remember the way that they would go about scenes and the way that they would kind of kind of workshop. If something didn't feel quite right or we don't want a ton of props, we don't want a ton of you know, we only have um, the theater says we only have, you know, this kind of square footage to keep all of our stuff there. So we can't go overboard with props or with pieces, tables and chairs. And there there was a scene specifically there was a car crash. We had no space to keep a car, so how are we going to figure out this car crash? Well, we already know some of our movements and some of our techniques that we have from this piece. Okay, we're just going to make a car crash, but we're just going to use our bodies. Like the person is acting in the middle. This is the door. This is the window. And now we're going to roll and we're going to do this. And she has to hold herself. And now we're going to go back. And they would they would do stuff like stuff like that. And it's just workshopping. It's problem solving. And the goal is still the same of making it the best that they can possibly be while being authentic to of what they want to do, of what their company is. But that's how they would work through things. So I came in completely like, you don't have a script. Like, <laughs> what? What's going on? <laughs> okay. Here we go. Who's entering the stage? Oh, from up above. Okay, great. No problem. That's no problem. totally fine. Oh, there's a voiceover. Good. Okay. I love that journey for you guys. <laughs> But they're incredible. They're so, so good. That sounds like quite the experience. And is that common for fringe festivals in general? Or was that just that particular group that decided to go about it that way? That's kind of tough. That's kind of tough. I would say they're the only theater company that I personally have worked with that I've seen them do it that way. But every other company that I worked for, or any other director that I've worked for, even here in Theater Sarnia, the principle is still the same. Maybe they're just actually putting a car on stage okay. versus making a car out of out of human human bodies. <laughs> it sounds so it strange. It just like the visual <laughs> in my head just went like we're close to Halloween and I was like a car made of bodies. <laughs> anyway, so I remember you saying you're on you're on the train, you're all carrying your pieces, your set pieces. Mm. So is it common then with the fringe festivals or in your experience that it's a different venue for each one? Each fringe festival, there'll there'll be different venues and if you're selected, if you win the lottery for a lot of them, you'll be chosen because you have to submit all of, uh, you have to submit to play all your pieces, all of your needs and everything like that. And then if you're chosen, um, you then get assigned a theater. So the one that we did in Toronto, we were actually at Factory Theater, which was fantastic. And then we were, and then for Hamilton, we were at um, Aquarius, but in their little side black box theater which is amazing but I've been to other fringe festivals where oh specifically the Toronto one one of the venues was actually an underground parking lot and they did 48 hours of Hamlet or no was it was it Hamlet it was either that or waiting for Godot I can't remember (laughs) I think it was waiting for Godot Hamlet was somewhere potato potato 
No, I remember now. My apologies. Mm. I saw a version of Hamlet, I think, in the Winnipeg Fringe Festival. Okay. But Waiting for Godot was, yeah, in Toronto in an underground parking lot for 48 hours straight. (laughs) So the venues are completely different. Okay, so hold on. Like, you would, (laughs) hold on, back back it up. So you would go to a play for 48 hours, or they were running it for 48 hours, and you would just kind of roll in? They were running it for 48 hours. The actors were running it for 48 hours. It was a drop-in, spend however long you want, and then leave. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure that that would be for me, but I think that the 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 level but of it's commitment. amazing, yeah, and it it's it just goes to show that like theater and and what people do and then the fact that we pay money to watch other humans do this <laughs> just shows like how amazing live performance is, and that someone had this idea, or what if it was a completely different idea, or what if that's what it was from the very beginning. And then Fringe Festival uh, in Toronto, which is actually um, put on and kind of um, brought together from Mervish, like the big theater company. What if they're like, this is perfect. We've wanted to put something in the underground garage. So all this time, and, and here this it is, time, finally. We just needed Waiting for Godel. Or Hamlet, whichever one. Whichever one it was. Whichever one. I can't remember. They're all meshing together because... Well, I, mean, I didn't realize I was in school 10 years ago. 43 plays in, in four years, and then whatever you've done since then, like, I could see how it would kind of get a little... Sometimes they super blend together, but then being back here in Sarnia and having three months of rehearsals for a show, look at this great space we have at Theatre Sarnia, we're not underground, <laughs> everything can just stay... <laughs> I don't have to carry things. This is luxury Super, at its funnest. It's luxury. I'm spoiled. <laughs> Truly. I was thinking, like, I have such a set bedtime. I'm like a 90-year-old woman trapped in, in this. <laughs> but I was thinking, though, you know, you'd probably get swept up in it. Those 48 hours would probably go by so quick. And it's probably really chilly in a in a parking garage so that would keep you awake a little bit it was in the it was in the middle of summer though so i'm assuming there wasn't great like air ventilation huh but they they i'm pretty sure if i remember correctly they had like really good reviews they were fantastic our show was at the factory totally air conditioned had all the tech we needed (laughs) (laughs) wow thank you for explaining all that fringe stuff for me like now i feel like there's a whole there's a whole other world that i didn't even really know fringe festivals are one of my favorite, favorite events to go to. I, If anyone is, I think, ever feeling that theater's not pulling them in or making them as excited as it used to, I would say go to a Fringe Festival. It's fantastic. It's one of the best. My goal is to go to uh, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which I don't know if it started there, but it's one of the best. My goal is to go to that one in Scotland. Wow. I wonder how COVID has impacted the Fringe Festivals. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they'd have the same uh, restrictions or limitations or, you know, maybe you can get mm-hmm. away with a little bit more in a parking garage. But that's really interesting. And Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just about to say, it. Pro- I think your I think your impulse is right. I think there would be a ton of limitations just because the amount of shows that are happening, like in Toronto, we weren't the only show that was in the factory theater. So you have an hour to set, so you have to be like at the side door ready to go an hour before your show so you can go in set everything up and then once your show is done you have like a time limit of when you need to get out because the other show is coming in 
So the overlap that they have at a festival like that, and then just the crowds that are that are going going through in the shared space that you have. Yeah, I think COVID would probably make that really really difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really um, kind of disheartening to folks who are who enjoy fringe festivals so much or like that's how they get their work out. Like if they're a writer, a director or like a performer who like does it all for a lot of them, that's how people see their work. And that's how, you know, they can win awards or hopefully the right person sees it. It can get picked up, does another run at another show. It gets booked in someone's programming and and then it can kind of go from there. So it's a little disappointing, I think. The fact that it might not have happened for a lot of people because yeah. of the pandemic, yeah. Yeah, hopefully they found other ways to be creative and, I hope and so. get out there. Because mm-hmm. I feel like everyone during the pandemic has relied on entertainment. Uh-huh. But then we have to remember, like, the artists behind it uh-huh. <laughs> and make sure we, like, support them. For sure. Yeah. For sure, that that's definitely true. And I feel like I have, like, a little bit of a, a lapse when I hear you say stuff, and then it kind of processes, and I come back to it. So you said something about a Scotland Fringe Festival, and I'd like to hear more about that, please. <laughs> um, it's Yeah, it's the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And the main reason I, apart from being, like, a fantastic Fringe Festival, Phoebe Waller-Bridges, the creator of Killing Eve and Fleabag, and she okay. just oh, wrote okay. uh, the new James Bond movie, she, I'm pretty sure, is their chair right now because I think that's where Fleabag started. It was a one-woman show she did. And now it's a fantastic full-blown two-season two show. I love that show, so I did not know that. It's incredible. Yeah, it's, she's a stage performer. She's fantastic. Really? Absolutely. Everyone watch Fleabag. Yes, yes. If, if you get anything from this podcast, go watch Fleabag. Watch but... Fleabag. That's so interesting. I had no idea that it was like a, a one person, one lady act. You're teaching me all the things right now. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. I can't trust a lot of things on the internet at the moment. Fair. But based on what I've read, I don't. I'm pretty sure Fleabag started off as her one woman show. Cool. She could pull it off. She's very talented. She's so good. I want to meet her. Uh, yeah, I could. Yeah, I'd be down for that too. Thank you. For the <laughs> no problem. Um, I might have just invited myself when you go to this festival, just so you know. Like, <laughs> it's so much fun. The amount of conversations I've had with other theater friends, especially this second summer, of like, oh, I miss live theater. I miss going in. And like, that's what was so nice about the cabarets that the theater did outside and being an audience member again, um, rather than being an audience member like on your couch. Like, it's such a different feeling. And, like, just also seeing how theater companies, like, even the larger ones are adapting and and trying to figure it out. Yeah, it is missed for sure. Because, like, watching Hamilton or, like, Newsies on Disney Plus can only go so far. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. Well, I won't take any more of your Saturday, unless there's more that you want to tell me about. Is there anything else you're hard I don't know. This is just fun to talk about theater. It is. I just talked a lot about fringe festivals and movement-driven shows. I don't know. <laughs> well, and I'm here for it. If you want to switch gears and talk about something else, like, I, I, I don't have much going on, so it's all up to you. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, I this, this is the <laughs> best know. gig, because I get to just, like, sit here right? and be like, tell me all your stuff. And Okay, well, I have a question for you. If you could interview anyone 
not even just Sonia Famous. If you could interview anyone when it like comes to maybe theater or something or something like in that realm, like who would you want to interview? <laughs> you don't have to include this in your podcast, by the way. This could just be oh, talking and hanging I out. I got the editing <laughs> controls over here. So I, know, I, I, de- I like, decide what stays and goes. Um, <laughs> the, the gal from Fleabag, I just, probably just because we just were talking about it, but um, she'd be a delight to, to, speak, to speak to. There's so many, so many. And I have a terrible memory for names. So I've been really really lucky to see a lot of live theater uh in my life and i can never remember you know the actors or the directors or things i'm sure i could go through my pamphlets but ah oh, I, I i'm blanking right now although <laughs> yeah the the fleabag what do you what's her name the lady from fleabag oh phoebe waller bridge bridges thank bridge? you i knew i could phoebe bridges is a singer phoebe waller bridge there <laughs> see you knew more names than i even was asking for you're like okay i'll give you more details <laughs> but yeah, that's a really, really good question. Like, who would I want to interview? Like, anybody who would give me the time, I guess. It's so much fun to just sit and chat with people. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I really started going into this with a lot of preparation. And then I found that once I got talking to somebody, a lot of the preparation that I had done was not important because each person mm-hmm. that I've spoken to has brought something completely different to the exact right. same thing. Like we're all just yeah. talking about the theater, but everybody has a different experience, and it, it's so cool to hear. Like I had no idea you were gonna tell me all about Fringe. No, that's awesome. Neither did I. <laughs> Neither did I. She's like, oh, she's gonna want to know about backstage, and you know, maybe what I do as a stage manager. I don't know what's going on. But that on. was what I went into it as. But then you you kind of brought that whole other side of things. Sorry. To it. No. <laughs> Do you want to t- tell me more? What did you What did you prepare for today that you wanted to talk about oh, stage managing? No, I was just kind of prepared just because I feel like you know me as a, well, you knew me as an, as an ASM, an assistant stage manager, and then hopefully I get to stage manage for you again in the future. But I was more prepared of, oh, I've, you know, I've been doing the production side of things for so long. I've, I've sat on the committees. I helped with the junior youth group. I'm more just like on the outskirts in a really supportive way. So yeah, I was just prepared for you to be like how do you prep as a stage manager not thinking like this is dallas she's gonna ask like i'm gonna gonna get weird about it and start asking me stuff that i didn't prepare for tell me about your binder what are you doing for that (laughs) no one cares about that because it's it's it goes back to those those details that you were talking about before when you put in all of those minute details into things it seems like nobody cares because it's mm-hmm. already taken care of but I, I still think that if that if you guys didn't put all of that effort into those backstage things and all of those details into mm-hmm. props and costumes and all of those kinds of things it would be glaringly obvious so it's almost mm-hmm. like the less that it stands out the better because it just adds yeah. to the whole experience. Yeah, I had a professor at school that would say like, if you can do a show without being noticed, then like you've done your job, which kind of goes back to sometimes it can be a thankless job just from like the audience perspective. But then the actors and the team are also very aware that without us, <laughs> you know, you guys would be in the middle of the stage in the dark. <laughs> 
or or be missing right? cues or missing missing costume changes like i i have uh oh, I, yeah. I don't know how many times i'd i'd be backstage like having a visit with somebody and then <laughs> somebody from the team would be like uh can you get your butt out on the stage because we've got a cue right now so right Exactly. But I think that's what makes that dynamic work so well is that we both know what's expected of each other and we are just here to kind of make this machine run so smoothly. But we also know that without one or the other, we couldn't be doing what we're doing. (laughs) So yeah, to say for that professor to say like, oh, but like, you know, without us, you'd be like on the stage, like in the dark to be like, right, but without the actors who the heck are we going to light? Like, what's yeah, go- like we can't do our job either. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's what makes it such, like, a really nice symbiotic relationship back and forth and just this idea of we're, we're in this together and we are going to do what we need to do. But at the end of the day, we're like, we're going to just have so much fun while we do it. Theater should be fun. Yes. <laughs> and yes. it is. It's such a fantastic thing. Ugh. I miss it so much. Well, I I can hear at least two cats. I don't know if you can. I hope you can. I uh I think they're body slamming the door. Like I think no. they're throwing their furry little bodies at the door. Like mummy, <laughs> what the hell is going on? You've been Mama in a Dallas. room without us for quite some time. Oh my gosh. So, so I, I better, before they break the door down, can you imagine? Can you imagine if right now, like, just, just all of a in. sudden, <laughs> three cats <laughs> were like, Dallas! Here! <laughs> that would actually be really funny. Dallas, it's been so lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, talk, talk to you later. Bye. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, what the heck? I'll just put this out there. Phoebe Waller-Bridges, if you're listening, have your people call my people and we'll set up an interview so that you too can become Sarnia famous. Tune in next week.